Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, have you ever done anything foolish? How did that work out for you? Have you ever been a fool? Um, We all do foolish things from time to time, here and there. Hopefully we do less and less as we go through life, and hopefully they're less and less serious, and hopefully we do better. Um, But being a fool is a whole different thing. When we think of fool, we think of somebody who does foolish things, someone who's, who's silly, someone who's maybe easily fooled. We think of it that way, lots of ways in our culture. But when the Bible talks about being a fool, it's a different level. Um, of course, a fool does foolishness, but when the Bible's talking about a fool, it's talking about someone who, maybe not even consciously, but they, they have basically rejected God's wisdom. God's way of doing things. They have their own way. They have it all figured out. And they're going to do that. And they may not even be thinking about rejecting God and his ways. And they might even be able to say in words about God and his ways. But in reality, they are doing their own thing. And so there's a a big moral component to foolishness in the Bible. Um, Fools do not honor God. Fools have a different agenda, whether they are conscious of it or not. And so when the Bible talks about being a fool, that's a pretty big deal. In fact, when we get to the New Testament and Jesus talks about uh, hating people in our hearts and how that's equivalent of anger, and he also then talks about when we, when we say, talk about someone, uh, call them this name or that name, how we ought not do that. And he said, and then he talks about if you call someone a fool, That is really a terrible thing to say about somebody, okay? So that is the Bible's perspective. So we don't want to be fools. Uh, So we definitely want to avoid being fools. And we avoid being fools by yielding ourselves to God in his ways, right? God's wisdom. What does God say is wise? What does God say about how to live? That's how we avoid being a fool. And, but the reality is, is even if we avoid being a fool, we still have to interact with people who are fools from time to time, don't we? You know, as you walk through life, you run into fools here and there, sometimes more often than you would like. And how do you deal with them? Well, this morning, uh, we are going to focus in on some attributes of fools, what they are like. Uh, and, and this is the 26th of August, so... Uh, We're doing the 26th chapter today. And in chapter 26, it's interesting, there are 11 verses that address fools, that talk about fools, 11 verses. And I don't know if that seems that significant to you, but when you consider that in the whole book of Proverbs, there are only 63 verses that refer to fools. And 11 of them are in our chapter, okay? And uh, this chapter has 57%, I know you love the statistic, 57% more verses addressing fools than any other chapter in the book of Proverbs. And so, and they're all right in a row, except for one of the verses, which we aren't going to focus on today. So let's take our Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 26 and see what the Lord has to say to us about fools, fools that we don't want to be 
and fools that we have to deal with from time to time. So let's start in verse number three. It says, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Okay, so what's he talking about here? Well, a horse. I mean, I'm, I'm not an equestrian, right? I, I don't know lots about horses. Some of you probably know a lot more. But the idea is this, that if a horse is not willing to do or wanting to do what you want it to do, you may have to physically force it. Use a whip, okay? And I don't know if that's from when you're riding it and trying to get it to go faster or whatever. This is not... I just want you to say, and, and for all of you who are watching, it's great to have you with us today. This is not promoting let's be cruel to animals, okay? What it's trying to say is that with a horse, if, it, if it's out of control and it doesn't want to do what you want to do, you have to use physical force to get it to do what it's supposed to do. Now, same thing for a donkey. What are donkeys known for? What characteristic? Stubbornness, that's right. And so how do you get a donkey to go where it's supposed to go? You've got to put a bridle on it so that you can lead it and make it go where it's supposed to go. Make it go when it doesn't want to go. Okay? And then it says, a rod for a fool's back. What's the deal there? Now, whether it's actually talking about physically a rod to the back uh, of, uh, or some sort of coercive force is the idea. Fools don't naturally do what's right. So how do you get them to do it? Well, see, here's, here's the, the thought. Here's what I came down with. We want to say that a fool has to be forced to do what's right. And if I were rewriting that, I'd probably say a fool often has to be forced to do what's right. A fool may do what's right from time to time. But they have to be forced. They don't want to be necessarily do what's right. They want to do what they're thinking and what they feel like doing at any given point in time. And so a fool has to be forced to do what's right. Now, I think that if we, we give some thought to this, we uh, ought to, uh, this ought to make sense to us. Because in reality, all of us deal with fools not all the time, but often, often. And the reason is, is because uh, you're dealing with young fools. You know what the Bible says about a child? It says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction will drive it far from him. And so what we're seeing is when our children are born, your grandchildren, your friends' children, if you don't have children, you still see this. The reality is, is that children are born foolish. They're born with a bent in them that wants to do what? Are children born with this, hey, somebody tell me what you want me to do and I'll do that. Is that the way it goes? No, it's I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And, and I joke about this sometimes, but you know, I, I've learned to interpret baby talk. At least one phrase. And that's when the baby is old enough to be able to get a hold of those jail bars of his crib and shake him and yell. You know what he's yelling, right? Where are my servants? Where are my servants? Okay, 
because they want their way, right? The children, even though they are precious and, and they, have, they will believe, right? I mean, Jesus talks about the faith of a child. All that's good, but they are naturally foolish, want to go their own way, do their own thing, make their own decisions, determine what they think is why, and on and on it goes. And, and so the Bible tells us that the rod of correction is necessary to drive that from them. Now, so let me deal with this. A little cultural parenthesis here, okay? In our day and age, this idea of any physical correction, you know, a SWAT, spanking SWAT, uh, is deemed by many to be horrific in child abuse, okay? Uh, the Bible doesn't present it that way. And we're not talking about beating children. We're not talking about hitting children when you're angry. Let me tell you, if you're a parent and you have children, you never hit your child when you're angry. That's a sinful thing to do, okay? Because that's your selfishness coming out. But the idea of uh, using uh, uh, a swat on the rear end, uh, something like that, just inflict a little bit of, of pain to say, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here? The Bible presents as a way that we help children to learn not to be foolish, okay? And it, by the way, just so you know, it's not illegal either, okay? It isn't illegal. Uh, and it's between you and God how you choose to discipline your children. But I'm just saying, for this verse, what we're talking about, whether, whether you're thinking about physical discipline or some other form of coercion, making them sit, making them do something they don't want to, whatever it is, the idea is that children do not naturally want to do what's right. Do they do what's right sometimes? Sure. But you understand what I'm saying? Push comes to shove, they want their way. And so there has to be some sort of correction that the parents bring to bear on the child so that the child can learn not to be foolish. And if the child doesn't learn not to be foolish, they grow up to be what? Fools. Now, I would say that in our culture today, we see a lot of adults who never had the foolishness effectively driven out of them as a child. Do you know anybody like that? And we have a society full of those kinds of things. And so what we have is with adults now, we have fools and, and they have to be forced to do what's right. And so sometimes this being forced to do what's right is if you don't, you're going to get fired. You see what I mean? So there's that, that coercion. Here's your choice. Do what's right, do what you're supposed to do, or you're fired. Or maybe there's a fine. You're gonna have to pay a fine if you don't do this. And for bigger things, you're going to jail. Okay, and so we see in even our society with adults who are fools that they, if they have to be forced to do what's right because the foolishness was never effectively driven out as a child. And then, of course, as an adult, they made other choices as well. So a fool has to be forced to do what's right. Let's read verses four and five. Somebody was already asking me about these verses today. It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Do not, right? Do not answer a fool according to his folly. Verse number five, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Wait a minute. Didn't verse four say, don't answer a fool according to his folly? And verse number five says, do answer a fool according to his folly? We have a contradiction in our Bibles, don't we? On the face of it, it might seem like that, huh? So, which are you supposed to do? Yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? And so, 
What I want you to see is that it's really hard to know how to deal with a fool. And so these two verses, side by side in the scripture, are telling us that it's really, really hard to know. How do I deal with this foolish person here? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to deal with it? And somebody answered both, and I think you're right, but it's probably not both at the same time. That would be tricky. Uh, So let's go back and look at this again. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. I think this idea is to don't lower yourself by arguing like a fool with a fool. And that's easy to do, to find yourself doing that. If a fool is, is saying things or doing things, but let's say saying things that are, you, you know, they sound crazy, it's just, this is ridiculous, um, and they're wrong about something, but you realize that, you know what, they, aren't, they don't have influence here, they aren't you know, affecting anybody else or anything here. They're just displaying their own foolishness. Your best bet is probably to what? Just walk away. Um, I find that, I feel like that the, the biggest place I come across this kind of thing and having to make this decision is in social media, online. Do you guys ever see something or read something and you go, oh, that is, anybody? Okay, yeah. and so what do you want to do? Don't do it. Don't, don't do it, okay? Because what you find is, right, it doesn't matter because, you know, there isn't any, uh, I don't know how many times I've entered into trying to address things like that and I, and I make some really good points and they respond back and they totally ignore what I've said, right? I mean, the whole thing, you realize that this is, Don't answer a fool according to his folly, okay, lest you be like him. All right, but there are times uh, when a fool is saying things and doing things that where they might actually have an audience and they are being influential. And, And one of the things that will most encourage a fool is if he thinks what? I'm wise. Look, all these people are listening to me. People are paying attention to me. Puffed up, love it, go on stronger than ever before, and they, they may very well be influencing people. And I'll give you an example in just a minute, but let me still say this. Don't elevate a fool by letting his foolishness go unchallenged. If you're in that setting, and, and you know, I've heard it, I've, I've watched it, uh, I've occasionally heard it in real life conversations, uh, but read it, and where someone is saying stuff about God, about the Bible, about morality or whatever, and they're saying it loudly, they, they seem to have a big platform, and there are a lot of people listening. At that point, you might find yourself saying, you know what, I need to intervene here, I need to say something. I can't allow this to be viewed as intellectual, as wise. I, I really need to address it here. And that's where you step up and say something. That's where you, you, you graciously, not, not acting like a fool yourself, but graciously and, and speak truth. And at least for those who are watching and listening to hear truth instead of just the foolishness that's coming from this person's mouth. Now how do you know? Do you think it might be hard to know sometimes when's which? Which is which? 
that's what it tells us here. It's hard to know how to deal with a fool, isn't it? So do you think it's important that you be filling yourself with God's wisdom? Do you? Do you think it's important that you be drawing close to God in your relationship with him so that you have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit to know, is this the time to speak? Is this the time to be quiet? Yeah, it's really incumbent upon us to be uh, living like wise, spirit-filled people to deal with a fool. All right, let's go to verse number six. He who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Whoa, neither one of those two things sound like a good deal, do they? Cutting off your own feet or drinking violence. What is drinking violence even? I think it's trying to communicate something. So if you are busy and you're working and you have things to do and you can get somebody to help you, you know, to give away some of the things that you don't have to do, is that a good thing? Yeah, right? And so the idea is here is, and you know, there it is, they couldn't shoot off an email or make a phone call or send a text, right? You had to send somebody. And so here you are, you're working, you're doing your thing, and oh man, I need to get a message to this person about what we're doing or whatever. And so if I can send somebody, it's like I got an extra pair of feet, isn't it? Because I don't have to go. I can stay here on my feet and do my thing and send an extra pair of feet out there. And it says, well, if you send a fool on that errand, you don't, they're going to mess it up. They aren't going to get there. They're going to get sidetracked. And if they do get there, they're going to not get the message right, whatever. And so now you have a bigger problem. Because now you have problems out there that you have to now leave and go deal with. And so the idea is you cut off your own. You don't gain a set of feet to go give a message. You lose a set of feet. Because now you've got to go there. Now you, don't have, you can't be here working. Okay? And so this would apply to, to any kind of situation. It's the idea counting on a fool to accomplish an important task brings major troubles into your life. Okay? Uh, it just does. If you find yourself counting on fools to, to do important things for you, you are going to be in a world of hurt. All right, let's go to verse number seven. Like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Okay, so you get the picture, right? Someone who is lame, who has paralyzed legs, legs that don't work. They, they have no strength. They can't do anything but just be there. And he says it's the same way of a proverb in the mouth of a fool. When a, pro, if a fool is trying to say something wise. Do fools ever try to say something wise, do you think? Do fools ever try to sound wise? Sure they do, because see, that's what they're, they're trying to to uh, gain that kind of uh, connection with people. Uh, but let me just, so here's the point. Wise words spoken by a fool are powerless. They're powerless. Wise words spoken by a wise person are powerful. But when a fool tries to speak wisdom, it's powerless. Just like those legs unable to do anything, so this wisdom in the fool's mouth. And now why is that? I think there's probably at least two things. Um, First one is this, it's the credibility of the speaker. Now I, I teach uh, speech to uh, junior high and high school students, homeschool students. And uh, every year, in the beginning of the year, we go back and talk about um, a guy named Socrates. Uh, no, Aristotle, Aristotle. 
We do may talk about Socrates, but Aristotle. And um, he has, he talks about the means of persuasion. And there are three things. You may have learned it in, if you're, when you were in school. And it's logos, pathos, and ethos. Okay? Logos is the idea of logic, logos. And, and so it's the reasoning part when you're trying to communicate or trying to persuade somebody. Here's the reasoning. Uh, pathos is the passion or the emotion connecting with the people's emotions, communicating with emotion. And the third one is ethos. We get our word ethics from that or ethical. And what it has to do is with the credibility of the speaker, okay? If you stand up to speak and act like a jerk and you're rude, it doesn't matter how good your reasoning is, how well you connect emotionally because what? You're not credible, right? And so when a fool tries to all of a sudden speak wisely, are they credible? No, their ethos is lacking. They don't have the credibility to speak that way. The second thing would be this, really, what does a fool know about wisdom? Right? Whatever the fool's saying about wisdom is probably a mess. And, and you've got to wonder about the motives, too. If a fool's all of a sudden trying to speak wisdom, why? There's probably some foolish intent here. Something they're trying to do. So when you hear someone who definitely, as near as you can tell, is a fool speaking wise words, be on the lookout. Verse number eight. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. And before I talk about the stone and the sling, let's talk about giving honor to a fool. Sometimes uh, people, well-intentioned people, think when you have a person who's a hard person to deal with and probably acting very much like a fool, they think, well, let's, let's find some way to encourage them. Let's, find a, let's honor them for something, and that will help. Well, when you honor a fool, it never helps the fool and doesn't help anybody else. And he describes it as being like this. If you decide to, do, to try to help the fool by honoring him, like one who binds a stone in a sling. All right, I have firsthand knowledge of this kind of thing. And, and not really sling. The idea is they're talking about the old sling. You know, they would have a, put a stone in like David had, you know, and hold the two cords and swing it and, and let go of one of the cords so that the stone throws. And the idea is, is if it bind that in the swing, so you go like this to throw it and then the stone doesn't go, you're in trouble. Okay, you got a problem. But my story is this. This is probably, this is well over 25 years ago. I decided to be a hero and put a rope swing in my backyard. We had a beautiful branch going up back over there and I wanted to put a rope swing on it. And I was trying to figure out how to do this. And, and so I'm working on this late one afternoon, it's turning dusk, it's starting to get dark. And I figured out what I was gonna do is, you know, I just wanted to get the rope over and then loop it and, you know, and do that. But the, this thing is 20, 25 feet, and I don't know how high it is, it's up there. And so I thought, well, I'd get a smaller rope and I'll, I'll tie a rock in the rope, right? And you can you know, tie it in there good and wrap it around it, and, and then I'm going to throw it over the branch. Well, I couldn't throw it high enough. I mean, it was just with the rope hanging on to it, I couldn't do it. So, but oh, if you spin this baby, <laughs> right? So, now it's, 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 you know, the sun has gone down, it's kind of, it's, it's dark. I mean, I can see the branch and stuff, but I'm going to get it over there before I come in. And, um, right? 
And, and I noticed something. First is that I'm not very skilled at swinging things and throwing them where I want them to go. Second thing is that when you look up into the trees when it's dark, you cannot see where the rock is. Third, you know the rock is coming down. I got hit a couple times. Not bad, not in the face, you know, but you get yeah. hit. Okay? And then, so I'm really, at this time, I'm getting better. I'm, I step back, I'm going to do it. And, and I do this, and I throw it like this. And I didn't realize I was standing on the rope. And I went, bing, bing. I finally got the rope over. <laughs> but see, I did the binding rock and a sling. It does what? It comes back to get you. And so when a fool tries to speak wise words, it's like binding that, right? Someone's about to get hurt. Okay, go ahead and put that up there. Or we are, oh no, sorry. Honoring a fool will always backfire on you, which is, is what it did to me, this idea of binding a stone in a sling. So don't think that you are going to help a fool by acting like he's not a fool and honoring him. You're not doing him or anyone else any favorites. And by the way, it's kind of cool. Today, I have my oldest son here from New Hampshire. My tree swing failed about two years later, three years later. But my, he, he climbed up the tree with climbing harness and went out and did it right. And so that lasted like 25 years. We just had to retire it this year because the branch is dead. All right, let's go to verse number nine. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. You know, suddenly I read this, I say, what? Now let me think about this, what? And I think the idea is this, that when someone is drunk, they often, they can injure themselves and not even be aware of it. Not see that it's a big deal. And if you, you get a thorn in your hand, and oh, you don't really notice it, but it stays there, and every time you move, what's it doing? It's doing damage that you may not even be aware of. Uh, not you. A drunkard, okay? Uh, and so, here you are, you aren't even aware that something bad is happening and that it's continuing to get worse. And so, uh, when a fool tries to speak wise words, someone's about to get hurt, okay? Go ahead and go to that next one now, if you would, verse nine there. Um, it, again, the idea of the fool here is trying to speak wisdom but in reality, he's gonna lead people astray. He's causing a problem, and he doesn't even realize that he's causing people a problem, and he doesn't realize that if they continue, it's gonna cause more of a problem, and the problems are gonna grow, okay? So again, if you hear a fool trying to speak wisdom, what? Watch out. You don't know what's going on. Verse number 10. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire, and the transgressors his wages. Okay, the great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressors his wages. God is paying them. Huh. Here's the idea, is that God makes sure fools eventually experience the consequences of their foolishness. He will make sure that they get their hire, that they get their wages. And one of the main ways that God has done this in our world is the law of sowing and reaping. I think we talked about that last week or the week before, right? The law of sowing and reaping. Eventually it's going to come back to the fool. They will struggle with the consequences of their own foolishness. Have you ever seen anybody who, who's struggling with the consequences of their own foolishness? 
Yeah, you know, sometimes you see people with a lifetime of foolish things, and then when they're older, now they have all these consequences in their lives, and, and you'd like to help them, but you can't. Because they're experiencing the consequences of their own foolish choices in the past. So know that justice will be done. Uh, when this is talking about they give them their wages, or their hire and his wages, uh, it reminds me of the verse Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Um, the most foolish thing you could ever do would be to not receive Christ as Savior. That would be the most foolish thing you could ever, ever do. Because the wages of sin are death, and after death it's appointed us to die once, and after this death, judgment, and standing before God, being judged on the basis of how we've lived our lives, which includes sin after sin after sin after sin after sin. We will be found guilty. We will spend eternity in hell, unless we have received Christ as Savior, accepted his payment on the cross for our sins. So um, just interjecting this, don't make that foolish mistake. If you haven't received Christ as Savior, you need to do that. And you do that by saying, man, I have blown at God. I know I've sinned against you. I believe Jesus died for me, rose again. And right now, I, by faith, I trust him to be my Savior. And I, I trust and accept his payment for my sins. If you've got questions about that, please let us know. We'd love to talk to you about that. Verse number 11. As a dog returns to his own vomit... So a fool repeats his folly. What, what a wonderfully graphic picture, right? As a dog returns to his own vomit. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that or not. I have certainly seen that. Uh, you know, I don't know what the deal is with the dog. Dogs are really cool lots of the times, but there's something about a dog. I mean, the dogs that I had growing up, you know, if you, they wanted whatever you were eating at the table, right? If you, know, you put something down, it was like, <laughs> gone. What did I eat? What did I eat? They don't know. But it smelled good. So the thing is, is then they, you know, sometimes vomit it up. I'm not going to illustrate that for you. They vomit it up, and then they go, I said, wow, that smells remarkably like something I just ate. Hey! And they eat it again, and I, you know, it's gross, isn't it? Kind of enough to make you throw up. But don't worry, if you do, the dog will probably eat it. So, <laughs> The idea is a fool loves his own foolishness enough to repeat it. Again and again and again. Do you know anybody in life who just seems to keep making the mistakes over and over and over and over? That's a mark of foolishness, that not learning from your mistake, but going back to it again and again and again, and it's, it's not a good thing, and the picture of vomit should help us to understand that. So, all right, so here's, these are all these marks of a fool, and so uh, what if we offer a course this fall? How to become a fool in three easy lessons. You, you complete this course, you're gonna get a, an official, you will be a certified fool. Anybody wanna sign up? Oh, we don't wanna be a fool, right? We don't, and we, we, we don't want that. We, we don't want to be like this, but it's always with the word of God. All, all scripture is given by inspiration of God as profitable, not just for doctrine, but for what? Reproof and saying, wait a minute. That's not the way to live. 
And so I think it's always important for us when we read about, you know, those fools, you know, crazy fools, idiot fools, all that kind of stuff, that we don't just do that, that we also say, well, wait a minute, are there any ways that I am thinking or acting like a fool, maybe? Are there any places in my life where I'm doing that? And maybe it's not just the fool, the list that we have here. Maybe it's other things. You know, maybe it's with your money. Maybe it's with your relationships. Maybe it's in your relationship with God. Any place that you're acting like a fool where you really aren't going God's way? Well, the way, if you find any place in your life like that, you need to make a conscious decision, first of all, to turn away from it to God. Secondly, get some wise people around you and have them help you. Say, do you, let me know if you see this in my life. I, I, I don't, I want to change. Help me out with this change. And then uh, the third thing is, is, is always, I tell you time again, fill your mind and your heart with the word of God. Hear what God says. Hear what God's ways are. It'll help you identify ways that you might be being foolish and it will also help you avoid becoming a fool in the first place. So, anybody here today besides you, I mean, I, I, I will admit to doing foolish things from time to time, uh, but I would say that I am not a fool. Thank God I am not a fool. Anybody else like that with me? Boy, we gotta be careful about that. Do you remember the story Jesus told about two people praying, the one a Pharisee and the one a sinner, the sinner, you know, God, I'm so messed up. I, I just, you know, I so desperately need your forgiveness. And the, the Pharisee who said what? God, I thank you that I am not like that guy. And so I think we want to watch out this idea. Thank God I'm not a fool. This I'm not a fool. Oh, man, watch that. Verse 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. I really think that for Christians that are trying to live the Christian life, they're serious about that, that this idea of being wise in your own eyes is a bigger problem than being a fool because you aren't gonna live like a fool, but you could live wise in your own eyes here and there, which by the way is foolish. And so here's the point, being wise in your own eyes is worse than being a fool. And the reason is, is when you're wise in your own eyes, how do you even see anything else? How do you even see what God says? How do you see things accurately? Because you're seeing it only your way. Uh, Romans 12 says it like this. Do not be wise in your own opinions. Okay, don't always think that you're right. Someone who is wise in their own eyes, you know, they hold opinions, beliefs, or positions that are not based on the word of God, but on their own reasoning. Well, here's what I think. Well, what does God say? Well, I don't know, but here's what I think. And their goal is to be right about their own opinion. Their goal is not to love God, to honor him, not to love their neighbors. Not, that isn't the goal. Their goal is to be right. And so someone who is wise in their own eyes is not open to other ideas, other people's ideas, other things that might contradict what they're saying, and they're not teachable. And I'm saying to you that I think in certain areas of our lives, we can be this way. We shouldn't, but we can be wise in our own eyes about this issue. And here's the problem. If you allow being wise in your own eyes in just this one area of your life, being wise in your own eyes is contagious. And it will spread into other areas of your life. 
Well, how would we recognize this in ourselves? Just let me read some statements that you might make or think if, if you are being wise in your own eyes. Just some general statements. First, I know the Bible says, but. Or I know you're supposed to do this or whatever, but. I know, I know you're not supposed to do that, but. Or I know I should be paying attention to, but. So this, this rationalizing, isn't it? I'm wise in my own eyes. I have my own ideas about this. I know what people say. I know what the, I, here's what I think. I have more specific examples. So just, I'm gonna go through this quickly, so just hang with me here a little bit. I know I should be giving to God a fixed percentage off the top of my income, but. Or I know the Bible says it's wise to stay out of debt, but. I know I should be saving some of my money, but. I know that allowing this activity in my life might cause someone else to stumble, but. You're gonna get tired of hearing me say but. In fact, why don't you help me with that, okay? I know the Bible tells us to meet with the church consistently, but. I know I'm supposed to be submissive and show respect to my husband, but. I know I'm supposed to stay married and work through the problems, but, and, and by the way, I, when I say work through problems, there are situations and times where someone should get out of a marriage, okay? But not nearly as often as people think. All right. I know God has given me the ability to serve him in certain ways, but. I know the Bible says I'm to be sexually pure in every way, both thought and deed, but. I know that movie has a lots of bad stuff in it, but. I know I'm supposed to honor my parents, but. I know I should protect my children from ungodliness, but. I know I'm not supposed to marry an unbeliever, but. I know I'm supposed to love my enemies, but. I know I'm supposed to be reading and learning my Bible, but. I know I'm supposed to be praying, but. You get the idea? This whole idea of but is we have our own thoughts. Wise in our own eyes. And God says, you're in a worse position than a fool. You're in a worse position than a fool when you set aside what God has to say for your own ideas. And, and so an antidote to all this is, is obviously starting with a relation with Christ and then living a life of humble dependence on God. God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, which is a characteristic of foolishness, a characteristic of being wise in your own eyes. Resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Isaiah warns about this idea of being wise in your own eyes. He says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. If you think it's wise to do your own thing instead of God's, woe to you. And when Bible pronounces a woe, that's a big deal. Woe, like that's not, not that kind of woe. It's woe to you, this is bad. This is problems, this is trouble, look out. That's what he's telling you. All right, so the antidote, this kind of life, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we know that one, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but on what God says. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. No, no, I know this, but. No, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will do what? He will direct your paths. 
He'll lead you in the good and right and wise ways. He will. And so we know these verses real well, but I, I tell you what. What's the next verse say? Verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. See, that's the opposite. That's the other choice. You're either trusting in the Lord, depending on him, acknowledging him in all your ways, or you are being wise in your own eyes. And the longer you're wise in your own eyes, the more foolish you become, and you probably become a fool too. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you that you teach us these things from your word. I pray that the desire of our hearts would be to be wise, to, to not bring dishonor on you and our, our, your name and our reputation for you by being wise in our own eyes, Lord, or by being foolish. I pray, Father, we will yield ourselves to you in this, to trust, depend, and be humble, and acknowledge your ways, and trust you to live, uh, do that and not being wise in our own eyes. Help us with that, Father, and I pray for someone here today who has not yet made that the wisest decision they could ever make, which would be to receive your son as savior. Lord, I pray that uh, if they feel like they don't know how to do that, that they'd connect with us so we can help them make that decision. Thank you for working our lives. We greatly, um, we're thrilled with it, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, just before I dismiss you, a couple of things. Um, I don't see she's not in here now, but uh, Brittany Flood, we had her little baby with us here today, and, and Grandma Karen Flood, I think she's the one who took the baby, right? Yeah. So that's awesome. If you get a chance, connect with her and the baby. John Hunt is back here. Uh, father, new, not, not a new father, a father newly again, third one, right? A little boy. And so congratulate him. They're doing well at home? Yep. Mom and baby? Okay. So in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes max, we're going to meet right in here by Trunk or Treat. And please come back, okay? Please come back. Grab a cup of coffee, something to eat. Come back in here. Won't take us very long, okay? Thank you. You're dismissed.